Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast, where we're working to help you call a truce with your anxiety. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC. Quotes little summaries, and I probably wouldn't be doing the podcast if I didn't have her because that the idea of having to write up show notes after doing the interview and editing would make my head explode. So thank you, Kathy, for all you do. Thank you for promoting the podcast too and sending me suggestions for guests and interview topics. I truly appreciate all the work that you're doing for me. If you want to know more about the Woman Warriors podcast and be up to date on all the episodes, you can subscribe through Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also leave an honest review or a rating through Apple Podcasts if you go into iTunes and scroll all the way to the bottom of the podcast, there is a section there for reviews and ratings. I would so appreciate it. It would really mean the world to me. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Facebook, at Woman Warriors uh, Pinterest, I'm on the my progression counseling board. There is, uh, I mean, on my progression counseling Pinterest account, there is a Woman Warriors board, and you can find all the episodes there as well. So our guest this week, Tanisa Montgomery. She is a licensed mental health counselor in private practice in Maitland, Florida. She specializes in teen and young adult concerns and focuses on trauma processing. She is a certified trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapist and a certified trauma professional counselor. She offers groups in mindfulness and sexual assault support. She is a researched and published author of an article on adverse childhood experiences their effect, and the parental component. She is also a public speaker and advocate, a single mom of two, originally from Pittsburgh, Florida. Nope. Originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She is now in Florida doing her work. Tanisa is going to share her story of of managing obsessive compulsive disorder She is going to tell us what it is, but also share her journey in healing. So let's get started. Hi, Tanisa. Welcome to the Woman Warriors podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you today about your journey as a therapist. But before we do, would you mind telling us a little bit about you and what got you started on the work that you do? Um, well, I own a private practice, Mother Nurtures Counseling Solutions in Maitland, Florida. 
I specialize in teens and young adults, uh, issues and concerns, uh, trauma, sex trafficking, victimization. Mm. And I really enjoy that work because I came from a trauma saturated environment and I was able to overcome and grow through that. Mm-hmm. And so I want to be able to help others grow through and past their trauma as well. Mm. I feel like the trauma therapists who, well, I think so many trauma therapists also have a history of trauma. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, that it makes us incredibly dedicated, devoted, well-learned he- healers, I think. I do think, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, really important work that you do with sex trafficking, sexual assault work. Um, Yeah. And maybe we'll record another episode at a future time where we can talk further about that. But you had reached out to me uh, through, I think, the Instagram um, app saying, you know, Hey, I could be on your podcast. Here's my story. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about that, but, uh, so you described that you have had a history of trauma, but you also shared that you've struggled with some mental health stuff yourself, which I too, I am, I truly am a woman warrior. I have a lot of anxiety that I've learned how to manage over the years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you told me that, you know, you've struggled with obsessive compulsive disorder. So can you just give us a little bit of background on what that is and how it might impact someone if they have it? Because I feel like people always talk about, oh, I have OCD, but really, probably not. <laughs> right. Right? Yes. Um, people like to use it as a joke when they're very clean and tidy. Mm. Yeah. Um, but for me, it, it definitely is not a joke. Yeah. Um, I have a family history of obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, some obviously manifest in greater ways. For me, I had a spell where it was just overwhelming the obsessive compulsive disorder for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so obsessive compulsive disorder is like a persistent thought or urge to do something, um, an experience that you can't just walk past this cabinet door. I have to tap it. Right. right. <laughs> you know, it's some urge inside of you that you cannot resist. What the the part that racks my brain the most about OCD is that I know it's ridiculous. It makes no sense. Mm. There is no way that these two things could actually be tied together. Um, but I have to do it. Mm. Um, so for me, mine was checking. Yeah. And, um, I would check my shoes and (laughs) yeah, so I felt like I was, I, I couldn't get the thought out of my head unless I actually followed the command of the disorder. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just, I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I have to keep my apartment neat and tidy. If you turn something on my desk, I need to straighten it. It is this feeling of, I can't not do this thing that it's disturbing to me until 
yeah, whether it's checking your shoes or locking the front door five times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it really is coming from in, an internal signal that things are not right with the world until I do this. Does that feel right? Right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you shared with me earlier, you know, before we were recording, I guess, on our first conversation about, you know, what to talk about on the podcast, Mm -hmm. you know, and you said that, you know, it can, uh, the obsessive compulsive disorder can ebb and flow, that there are times when it shows up much more persistently. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? So for me, mine showed up a lot during graduate school. The stress Mm. of graduating um, seemed like it was impending and it was, Mm. am I ready? Am I smart enough? Am I good enough? Am I going to be able to do the work that I imagine in my head I should be able to do? Right. Um, Are these people going to really trust me with other people's stuff? They're going to let me out of here. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, and which is a very normal worry, right? For all, yes. I think, for most grad students, right? Yeah, I, I haven't met one who hadn't had that concern. Yes, <laughs> but for you. For me, it just snowballed into this great thing where I was, I really felt like I was on the brink of a nervous breakdown. Mm. Um And that manifested and heightened my OCD. So I was literally checking my shoe for shit. Excuse Hmm. my. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) That's not my jam to use curse words. But I kept saying, I have shit on my shoe and Mm. I'm tracking it everywhere I go. Mm. And the only thing that gave me solace was to check and make sure that I didn't have shit on my shoe. Yeah. Yeah. But like, as you said, like, there's this logical part of your brain that's saying, this doesn't make any sense. I know I didn't step in dog shit or whatever. Right. right? But I still have to check. I had to do it. Yeah. I had to do it. Yeah. At the height of things getting terrible. Like, mm. I love shoes. Anybody who knows me, anybody who knows me who's going to listen to this is going to be like, shoes is her thing. (laughs) So ironic, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. I I mean, I could loophole this into like 20 different purposes. Uh, But anyway, so I literally was at the point where I had gone from 60, 50 pairs of shoes to three or four pair of shoes because I was throwing shoes away Mm. because they had shit on them. Wow. What? Wow. <laughs> oh I couldn't keep gosh. them. I can't keep these shoes. Like, yeah. And then yeah. I'm like breaking my heart as I'm throwing my shoes away. Oh, my gosh. But I can't stop myself. And did they literally have shit on them? They had nothing. Yeah. They had nothing on them. But there, there was, was just nothing. this feeling that I have to get these out of my house. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And now, like, hindsight, I'm realizing that those were the shoes that I wore on the days I went to class, to Mm. graduate school. Wow. Um, And it was like, we're walking out of here. These people are trusting me. And I just have shit, and I'm taking it everywhere. Mm. Um, It wasn't until I met with a therapist, which I highly recommend, Mm -hmm. um, especially in such a stressful environment. Graduate school for therapists is... Uh, really emotionally mm, 
Oh. It pulls you apart and puts you back together. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if you do it well. <laughs> it's so true though. I I think yeah, I'm you know, I'm a relatively recent graduate, a late bloomer. So, um I I think it was like 4 4 years ago, almost 5 years ago. And I can remember thinking, "Oh my gosh, I, I yeah, I need to get myself back into therapy because this is killing me." <laughs> yes. Just just the sort of recognition of how much I think for me was how much the my, the trauma from my life was impacting like it was resurfacing because we're talking yeah. about it we're exploring mental health issues i think mm-hmm. it was the first time i really labeled myself as an anxious person like mm-hmm. out loud you know um yeah. and i was 50 <laughs> a long time not to recognize that you're anxious but anyway yeah so we had this I'll never forget when it was really like I had to call my therapist and say I need an emergency session and I need one now Hmm. um we were doing a project where we were doing the geneogram and um so explain to, explain to the okay. audience what a gene, geneogram <laughs> is because I know, but I don't know that everybody so, else would. So a geneogram is where you um, map out your family and you kind of find out what patterns you have in your systems. Mm-hmm. You find out things that your grandparents did, that their parents did, that your parents do, that you now do. <laughs> Right. And how it's Um, so interconnected. And how you don't even realize it because it becomes the norm of your family system. Right. Um, So my family is very enmeshed, which means everybody's in everybody's business all the time. Everybody knows everything about everybody. Mm. Um, And at this time, I'm working on the geneogram and I realize a pattern that my all of my aunts had, hmm. all of the women um, in my in my maternal line had, mm-hmm. and that I was in the midst of. Wow. So I was like, I need a session now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it really was a lot. Yeah, yeah, to sort of just bring that flashlight and focusing on that dynamic just really touched you, really... Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. Um, so I needed a session then. And that's when I didn't realize why I was checking my shoe at that mm-hmm. point. I, I knew what I was checking it for, mm-hmm. but I hadn't made that connection before then that I felt like I was unworthy to help in this capacity because I had my own stuff. Yeah. Your own um, shit that you were carrying around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I went to my therapist and I'm telling her about this, this thought and the compulsion and and what's going on. And then she says to me, she says, so you're literally tracking your shit everywhere you go. Wow. How symbolic is that? And those words just rang in my head. Ah, gives me chills just thinking about like that light bulb, like what for you? Yes. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, of course. Mm. Yeah, of course. Mm. And um, that was when that that session was a two hour session. 
Wow. And um, it was very client center. And I remember just rambling on mm-hmm. about once she had made that statement, everything just fell out wow. um, about what I was fearful of and the geneogram project and yeah. um, how they were interconnected. Like I didn't put these pieces together because I was in the midst of it. Yeah. And, and I think that's the great thing about therapy when you're honest with your therapist, the connections that they're able to help you see. Yes. Um, yeah. And I yeah. think that's the key right there too. They help you see them. They're not saying, mm-hmm. here it is. They're going like, what about, yeah, how, <laughs> how does that feel? Or whatever. Or, or you just talking yeah. about it helps bring a light to that, you know, how they guide the conversation. It helps bring a light to what's happening for you. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So, you know, there's part of me because I went through, you know, somewhat similar, like, how can I help people if I don't have my own stuff together, right? And so how was that for you to recognize, like, I'm going out there into the world to be a therapist, and I'm bringing along, you know, the word you use, bringing along all this shit, (laughs) you know, I have all this baggage of my own. Like, what was that like for you to kind of reflect on that? But just also just be with like, how, how, you know, how am I going to be in the world as a therapist if I still have all this stuff? Mm -hmm. Two things. After that, I went directly to not that same night, because it was like night, night Mm. at that point. (laughs) Um, It was like 10 o'clock at night when I left my therapist's office. But um, the next day, I spoke to my advisor. Mm. And I said, "Um, how am I supposed to help people? And he said, we've trained you to separate your stuff from other people's stuff. Mm -hmm. Recognizing when you've reached your limitation and having the wisdom, intelligence and insight to refer out when you've gone to a point you can't um, assist another person in their their process. Yeah. And then he said, I've watched you do therapy. I've watched your nature change and grow. I've seen how you are clinically because um, during the process, you have to be observed in therapy. (laughs) You have to transcribe your therapy. Oh, my God. What a nightmare that was. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. All of that stuff. So Mm. he was like, I see you as a therapist and Mm. you're very mindful and aware Mm. of who you are and you ask for help when you need it. Mm. So I don't see that being any different than how you're going to be clinically Wow! when you're out in the world. And that was just like, okay, so somebody sees me and sees exactly where I am and says to me, this is how I know you're going to be successful. Mm. And said it with such enthusiasm and compassion toward me Wow. That was just amazing. Yeah. So amazing. So he could see that you were able to, even though you were struggling with OCD, that you were working on it, for one, Mm -hmm. recognizing Mm -hmm. it, and Mm -hmm. were still being able to show up in the therapy room, you know, with your practice sessions and be fully present. Yes. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, yeah, that feels so powerful and, you know, makes me want to go, like, say thank you to whoever that supervisor was. (laughs) (laughs) He's amazing. Dr. Delmonico at Duquesne University. I'm going to give him a shout out. (laughs) Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So great. So great. And what, you know, I think it, it speaks to what therapy is about, though, right? I mean, no matter, like, we do get taught how to manage our own stuff because we all have it mm-hmm. but still be present in the therapy room but two recognizing when you're at your limit or if there is a, a particular client that is not the right fit for you or you feel distress because it's too close to home or whatever like we have mm-hmm. resources to to refer out or mm-hmm. yeah to to do things that help us be the best therapist we can be yeah mm. yeah yeah. And so these days, now that you are fully in private practice and mm-hmm. helping your clients, like how are, you know, how are you, what are some of the skills that are helping you manage the OCD? Because I'm guessing, you know, like any mental health disorder, when there's additional stress in your life, maybe it's showing up a little bit, but I don't know that. Is that true? Um, I feel like at this point in my life, I can, because I use mindfulness, um, Mm. I can recognize when my anxiety level, anxiety levels are uh, increasing. And I know, you know, the the term contra code. Mm. (laughs) Mm. So I I know the contra code for me. Okay. Um, So I, I, I still have some smaller things like I do count. And I do count to calm myself down. So I'll mm-hmm. count breaths mm-hmm. or um, I still count pumps of soap. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but otherwise, a neat schedule helps me to be prepared. And scheduling time between sessions, mm. I will take, if you are yogi, you know this term, I will take final rest. Uh, for uh, five to seven minutes um, when I've had a stressful session. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so really t- yeah. learning how to, one, recognize when the anxiety and distress is starting to ramp up before it's in its full form. Yes. Being mindful about that, mm-hmm. using your strategies of counting, which I think counting breaths, but counting at all, I think can help with anxiety too. You know what I mean? It's this sort of repetitious and mindful activity mm-hmm. that can mm-hmm. help ground. Um, but yeah, then taking care of yourself. Imagine that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so incorporating those things into your life, was that pretty easy for you to like, okay, this is what I have to do to you know, be more mindful or take this time between sessions? Was that something that came naturally or was it something you had to kind of work at to make happen? Um, The counting came naturally because I feel like that's kind of almost part of the condition. Mm-hmm. The mindful aspect of that was accepting that I needed to count to stay calm or peaceful. Mm. So accepting what I needed to do 
as what I need to do, whether the world agrees with it or not. Hmm. So that part was a mindful part. Um, not saying, not judging is, yourself for right, needing yeah. to do this. I'm mm. just going to count this. I'm going to be fine. Everything's fine. I, I, I need to do this for me. If somebody doesn't like it, they don't have to watch me count. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm not audibly doing it anyway. So right. it was more of a me in my own head saying, mm. isn't this odd that I'm doing this? Yeah, that and part of you. Myself. Right, that part of you that's going, <laughs> what are you doing? Stop it. <laughs> Yeah. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I I kind of have some things like that, but Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. it it was an interesting process. But the the, taking the final rest was something that I had to add Mm. to my life. Okay. Um, And is that just sort of like a deeply meditative place? I don't know what the deep final rest is. Yeah. Yeah. It was so strange. I was at the dentist the other day and I was getting a... um, a cavity filled mm-hmm. and the dentist was like afterwards was like were you asleep <laughs> wow I was like, no I was meditating <laughs> uh... <laughs> um, because I don't want the trauma mm. of clenching while you're oh yeah doing this cavity so I don't want to come to the dentist so I need to be in a calm and relaxed body so that this experience does not become trauma to my body. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So you can bring yourself to that deeply meditative state between clients or, you know, at the end of the day or whatever it is that you need to help. Absolutely. Yeah. And prayer for me. Mm, Prayer for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that prayer or, you know, however you pray, whatever your spiritual beliefs are, Mm-hmm. can be so helpful. You know, I'm not a particular religion at this mm-hmm. time in my life, but just owning that, like, for me, that the universe can hold whatever it is that comes into these sessions, that it doesn't have to be me. That is my, that's mm-hmm. where I go, is that I have to carry all of these stories with me and take care of them. And it's like, well, no, that's really that's not helping my client. This is their stuff to carry. But two, right. the universe can hold this and I don't have to. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a gift. For every for every clinician out there, I feel like that is the one true gift of mm. avoiding burnout. Oh, yes. Oh, um, yes. Don't carry it. It's not yours. Right. Um, right. <laughs> and we can nurture it and hold it with them in the session but then yes. it's theirs to, to to take with and heal and yes mm, yeah that has been something I have learned yeah um, that's a process though it is say. it yeah. is and it's something I have to remind myself of you know along the way because mm-hmm. I think as a caregiver you know sort of one, being a woman, uh, but two, being a mom, three, just mm-hmm. being in the helping profession. Yeah, I want to yeah. take care of everybody. I want to just, yeah. you know, but taking care doesn't necessarily mean I have to take a hold of all of. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, man. So uh, 
I just so appreciate your honesty and willingness to talk to us today. I know, I think sometimes in our profession, there is this sense that we have to present ourselves as if we're, I don't know, perfect doesn't seem like the right word, but, uh, you know, flawless. Yeah. That we have it all figured out. Yeah. And, you know, I'm very honest about that. I don't, I don't. I don't, right. I, I don't, either. yeah. And I, I just appreciate your honesty and willingness to be here and talk about what your OCD, how it's impacted your life, but also how you're, how you're working with it and having it, you know, being able to manage it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Cause I think it's important. I think, you know, what you shared that like you have found within yourself ways to manage it. Yes, the help of a therapist is incredibly important, but mm-hmm. the ability for you to do it for yourself, you know, to, to find the skills, to use the techniques, to like, that's powerful. Yeah, I mean, I just try so being a gestalt therapist, I really tap into that part of, first of all, I can't be anything for someone else that I can't be for myself. Mm. So I can't teach you something that I don't understand. And I have to understand my body's cues. I've learned that I'm maxed out after five sessions a day. I I, I see trauma patients, clients who have experienced trauma. Five a day is it. Um, No matter what else is going on in life, I can't do more than five. That's it. Um, I've accepted that. (laughs) Sometimes I'm a little hard-headed and try to do more, but it just never works. (laughs) Yeah. No, I hear you. I keep Sunday. I literally power off my phone. No, no tablet, no laptop, no. Good for no you. Driving, no travel on Sundays. Wow. Um, and I just relax. Mm. Um, I have to have that because I, I can't allow the stress of this world to hinder the work that I'm called to do. Mm. Um. Yeah. So I, I pay attention when my body's had enough and I do what I need to do because I'm in position that I can listen to my body. I have that awareness where I'm like, okay, I'm spiritually exhausted. I need to pray. Mm-hmm. I'm emotionally exhausted. I need to cry. I'm physically exhausted. I need a nap. Mm-hmm. Like listening to your body and doing what it requires Yes. Peace. Yes. So important. Yeah. Yeah. And that whole mindfulness, the awareness piece of tuning in. So mm-hmm. important. Oh. Well, Tanisa, if there were um, resources that you thought would be important for the listeners to know about as far as OCD or, you know, managing ob- obsessive compulsive disorder, what, what might they be? Um, I would say the first thing would be to see a therapist. Mm. Um, and if a therapist isn't able to help you manage those skills with the additives of coping skills, mm-hmm. um, then they should and naturally might refer you to a psychiatrist right. um, 
who can help you get a medication to balance out what's going on in your brain. Mm-hmm. And there's no harm in that. And there's no um, guilt or shame um, yeah. attached with that. Yeah. Got to do what you got to do, what you need to do. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And for some people, the medication piece has to come to help then do the therapy work. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could happen in the reverse. See a psychiatrist because you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do and I can't calm down. Right. And, and they should likely refer you to a therapist Yeah. Um, as a secondary part to the medication. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would say learn to respect who you are um, no matter what you're experiencing just accept it and respect that this is who I am. Mm. Um, that's a large part I felt for me was mm-hmm. being okay with who I am. Mm, me too. So much. Yeah. 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 Cause that little inner critical voice wants to jump in there and say, Mm-mm, no, you're not. But mm-hmm. yeah, to be truly <laughs> compassionate and accepting of, where you are, wherever you are in that in your journey is so important. So valuable. Yeah. Um, And I would say if you are interested, there are mindfulness programming everywhere. Yeah. Get in with a good one is what I would say. Um, Yes. And mindfulness is different than meditation in the respect that I can think while I'm having a mindfulness moment. Mm-hmm. Meditation, it kind of wants to inspire you to have a blank mind, mm-hmm. which is very difficult um, for people with anxiety. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Mindfulness says, have a thought, accept the thought, let the thought pass by. Right, right. Um, so I feel like that's great for someone with anxiety because... Oh, yeah. We tend to have a lot of thoughts going on. Oh, yeah. And to have a blank (laughs) mind is almost impossible. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So accepting that I'm here, I'm quiet with myself, I'm paying attention to my body and relaxing my muscles as they need to be relaxed. And I'm still thinking about Mm. today's grocery list. (laughs) Right. That's okay. (laughs) Yep. And I can think about it and let it pass on till the next thought comes up. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So how do people find you? Um, well, I'm on Instagram, mm. which is how we met, uh, yep. at Mother Nurture underscore N. I'm on Twitter, at Mother Nurture underscore N. I'm on Facebook, um, at Mother Nurture's Counseling Solutions. Nice. Um, I have some events coming up for sexual assault victimization support groups. Oh, nice. Um, I teach a six-week seminar through mindfulness um, mm-hmm. once a season. So the next one is actually in January. Cool. Um, and, and is I'm that actually, in Florida? Is that face-to-face? Yes, this okay. Is, this is face-to-face in Maitland, Florida. I bring six people into my office, lay out mats, walk them through meditations. Um, cool. It's a six-week process where they learn to use mindfulness in their daily lives and then they leave after six weeks and um they love it yeah Um, yeah i do two groups a year here in my office too which is super great love it yeah i love it so um 
yeah, that's kind of um, that's that's where you are. Nice. Yes. Nice. Well, I will include all of your social media links and your website in the show notes so uh, listeners can find those there. Thank you. All right. Well, Tanisa, thank you so much again for being a part of the podcast today, for sharing your story, for being so open and honest with us here. I really, 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 truly am thankful that you spent the time with us today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. So I so appreciated and feel honored that Tanisa was willing to share her personal story with obsessive compulsive disorder because, again, I do feel like oftentimes the more extreme mental health disorders, and not that OCD is so extreme, but it can really impact your life to where it's debilitating. And I think we, as a culture, then latch on to those words like OCD or, you know, those terms, schizophrenic, bipolar, without truly understanding that they are disorders and the people who have them are struggling. And, but too, that there's hope, that things can change, that you can get help and live a fulfilling, meaningful life, even if you have struggled with a disorder. So I truly appreciate her honesty being here, sharing her story on the podcast, and hopefully we will have her back talking about the work that she does with teens and young adults with sexual assault and sex trafficking. Very meaningful work. So you can find all of the resources that she mentioned and how to find her in the show notes. So have a wonderful week. I hope that you are all kind and accepting and allowing yourself to be wherever you are in your journey this week. Ciao for now from This Woman Warrior. Thanks for listening and subscribing to The Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com.